You've stopped in at the guidepost. Brought to you by the American Saltwater Guides Association. Stock up on gear, grab a coffee at the counter, and get ready to hear incredible fish stories from the best captains on the East Coast and thought-provoking conversations with stakeholders and policymakers working to protect these fisheries. This podcast is presented by Costa Sunglasses. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Guidepost. It has been a minute or two since we have put up a new podcast, only because we've been dog busy. Um, absolutely want to talk about stripers today because it has also been a minute since we've talked about stripers. We have a huge, uh, huge meeting coming up on October 18th to talk about hopefully finalizing Addendum 2, get stripers back on track. And, um, you know, big friend of the association, longtime personal friend of mine, uh, guest today, Charlie Wittick. Charlie, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing well. Good, man. Good. I've seen uh, I've seen you gotten out fishing a couple of times uh, when the weather would allow, which isn't often this year. Yeah, September was a total loss. I got out twice the entire month. We can uh, we can commiserate over that on the phone. I think everyone wants to hear us kind of talk about stripers. So, you know, addendum two is coming. Hopefully, who knows. Who really knows, you know? Um, hopefully it'll, hopefully it'll, it'll go. But I, I think you and I both believe there's it's kind of flawed in some ways. Um, so we're not going to do too much of a deep dive on it. But if you want to hop into it and kind of get into some of your thoughts and concerns over Addendum Two and Stripe Bass in general, I think we'd all love to hear it. Well, when we talk about striped bass in general, my biggest concern is that, well, I've been striped bass fishing a very long time. Now, I caught my first bass in the early 60s, which means I fished through the stock collapse of the late 70s and early 1980s. And what I'm seeing now is starting to remind me a little bit too much of what I saw back then. You know, we're looking at a situation where there's some larger fish around, some very good fishing for larger fish, but we're losing all the small fish recruitment in almost every one of the spawning areas, not just the very important Maryland area of Chesapeake Bay, but every area except for the Hudson River has been poor the last couple of years, and there's no small fish coming up, and in the next year or two, we're really going to notice that there will be no fish at the lower end, that 28-inch end of the slot, because the spawning has been so poor. Uh, will Addendum 2 fix that? Not completely. Uh, we had very high recreational harvest because of the abundance of the 2015-year class, that everybody was suddenly a striped bass fisherman going out and landing 2015s. So we went and the ASMFC put in emergency regs just as a stopgap measure. They put a 31-inch maximum size, which amounted to a 28-31-inch slot on the coast. And Addendum 2 is supposed to go beyond that and put in measures that will reduce harvest enough to allow rebuilding by the 2029 deadline. It probably won't get there. Uh, it's going to, it looks like, best case, keep the recreational slot on the coast, make some more harvest reductions in the Chesapeake Bay, and do something to reduce commercial fish, 
fishing landings, fishery landings. What it will be, I can't tell you offhand. Yeah, and Charlie, that's just on the coast. They're not doing anything in the Chesapeake Bay commercial, which is where we need it. Well, that's where the young fish are coming up. So if they take the the fish as soon as they turn 18 inches in the Chesapeake, we won't see them on the coast. Yeah, and let's lest we not forget that Maryland's, you know, we catch smaller fish. So when you look at poundage, it doesn't really do it justice. But in numbers of fish, it's 80%, right? Um, of the of the commercial harvest occurs just in Maryland. So, you know, Mike Luisi in his infinite uh, canoodling to crush the recreational industry and, uh, and, and do anything and everything to support the commercial industry, he made the, you're going to la- watch, everyone's going to hear Charlie laugh here in a second. He said that if we made, uh, made changes to the commercial quota, they would not be able to get the new tags in time. It's ridiculous what we're seeing. Yeah. Yes, you can use the old tags and just give out fewer of them. Charlie, I can make, but- look, buddy, but Charlie, that's exactly what I said. Uh, Charlie, I can make, uh, I, I, I can make a completely personalized, my own art, die cut sticker, and I can get a, that to my house in 48 hours after I hit send. Okay. This is a plastic thing with numbers on it. It's we're not exactly splitting an atom here. That was his excuse that if they made the decision now that they couldn't that that the Gilnet season opens on January one and it's just not possible. So we have a three million pound quota again in the bay and no damn fish. And that that's going to be a problem. But the the thing is, this is nothing new. Now, we're looking at the current reduction in recruitment, the current last four years and probably going to be 2023 again as well, of very, very low recruitment. But the problem started a lot earlier. All the way back in 2011, there was a stock assessment update that warned the Stripe Bass Management Board that the stock would become overfished within six years by 2017. And for an instant, the board thought it might do something about it and talked about reducing landings. But then at the November meeting, when they were supposed to put a new addendum out for public comment, they suddenly had a change of heart. They turned around and said, wait, no, the stock's not overfished. It's not experiencing overfishing yet. It's still what they called a green light fishery. So basically they said, let's not try to head off the problem. Let's wait until one of the management triggers in the management plan, and Amendment 6 to the management plan was actually tripped, and the problem was already on our doorstep, and then take remedial action rather than to begin acting earlier where you could have had less restrictive measures and then you know, started the rebuilding then, or at least hopefully stopped the decline then. Charlie, isn't it funny? Because like, as you're talking about this, I remember working on this when I worked for a different organization. And me and you and a handful, I mean, a handful count on one hand of people, striped bass advocates were jumping up and down and screaming and saying, this isn't right. And remember, we were supposed to take like a 34% reduction. And then what happened? 
the 2011 year class. And then everyone said, oh my gosh, it's the fourth best year class on record. We don't have to take a big reduction. And the coast only has to take a 25% reduction instead of a 35%. And then Maryland said, oh, we only catch male fish. How's that working out? Let we just take a 20.5% reduction. So this is this goes, Charlie and I, if this is disappointing to anyone, have been working on this specific issue with striped bass since 2011. And actually, actually, what Tony described was even worse because the tw- in 2011, they said, let's not do anything because the management triggers hadn't been tripped yet. Then we get to 2014 after the 2013 stock assessment and the management triggers were tripped and they still didn't do enough. Yes, they they tried to reduce fishing mortality, which is what they had to do when the fishing mortality trigger was tripped. What they didn't do was begin a 10-year rebuilding plan, even though that was required by the management plan. They ignored an explicit requirement of the management plan. And sadly, that was actually at the behest of the what was then the ASMFC's fishery management plan director, Mike Wayne who turned around and said, management trigger two in Amendment 6 says that you need to rebuild the SSB, that's the spawning stock biomass, back to its target over a specified time frame that should not exceed 10 years. I think there is sort of a combination of things happening. The board is acting to reduce fishing mortality. Through that action, we see the projection, the projections showing that spawning stock biomass will start increasing toward the target. We're uncomfortable with projecting out far enough to tell you when it will reach its target, because the further on the projections we go, the more uncertainty is involved. Therefore, I think the trend is to get back toward the target, but we can't tell you exactly how quickly that will happen. Well, again, it wasn't up to them to say how quickly it will happen. They had a requirement to make rebuilding happen within 10 years. And this brings out another problem that we've seen with the ASMRFC process, is that they try to set regulations, set management measures, actually the state set regulations, and then just leave them in place without modifying them until the next stock assessment's done. They might be totally ineffective, but even if they're ineffective, they don't change them, until, or they didn't change them until it was a new assessment. So what we had was an assurance that, oh, yes, you know, the stock should be rebuilding. But in fact, it didn't. And instead of things getting better because there was no rebuilding plan and no monitoring of whether the stock was rebuilding, we ended up with a stock that was both overfished and subject to overfishing. And that is where we are now. And, of course, we dug a deeper hole. And we're trying to dig out of, get out of it now, but worse, because we've had poor recruitment, we don't have the fish we need to rebuild. And that means things are going to have to get even more restrictive, more restrictive than what's proposed in Addendum 2, just to fix the problem. Yeah. And, and Charlie, you know, this is what happens when you bet with house money. You make all of these decisions. When you know, you know, our whole position always is 
be a little more conservative because this is not exact science. And we all know that. And we're the last group in the world to criticize science. There's a, we have a pretty long history of not criticizing science. And um, we're not doing it now. But the bottom line is, this is not math. <laughs> this is not something that you can prove. They're trying to count fish that nobody can see that are under the water is not easy. So, um, you know, we always say your number one insurance policy against any questionable data, against climate impacts of climate, against anything is have a lot of damn fish in the water. But just, you know, systematically, every time we have fish in the water, well, we should be able to kill them. We're not maximizing, you know, the value of those fish in the water. And, you know, they they played that game. And then what happened? One, 2019, two, 2020, 21, 22, and guess what? 23. Because I know for a fact that Maryland DNR right now is working on the press release that has been sitting in the upper levels of DNR for quite some time, and they're going to blame climate and all this other stuff. But we don't have any fish. And any biologist around that table will tell you, yes, there is no stock recruitment relationship with stripers. There is no relationship between how many stripers spawn and how many young a year we have, unless they fall below a certain level. It is my contention that we are there in Maryland. So that's a scary thing. However, it's a fixable thing. It is indeed fixable. So five years, what, 12 years of bad decisions, five years of bad spawns, here we sit. I mean, I may not be quite as negative about the ability of the stock to spring back because a very few fish can produce a big year class, but it will take a little bit of luck. I mean, we are not in this situation where we're seeing a lot of cold winters and wet springs lately. The climate is changing, and that's going to make it harder for the bass, and the management measures are going to have to take that into account. If we're going to rebuild the stock, we're going to have to recognize that the stock may not be as productive as it was before and will not be able to provide the same harvests. So, Charlie, that kind of brings me because this is going to come up and people don't understand it. And I could tell people the formula. OK, but that then they'll understand it even less. So I'm sure most of the listeners heard about Noah overestimating fishing effort by you know, 30 to 40% in some instances, lower on some and even higher on some end. But what people have to understand is this. That does not mean, oh, they overestimated fishing efforts, so we're not killing as many fish. Okay, that's true. However, they overestimated fishing effort, so there's not as many fish out there. And in the case like striped bass, it may play out to where it's like a one-to-one -one deal. Like, okay, we overestimated fishing effort by 30%. Guess what, folks? There's 30% less bass for that target and threshold that we have to keep in the system, but the condition of the stock doesn't change. Nothing else changes. 
we just overestimated fishing effort. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that people need to remember is that the model that actually estimates the striped bass population uses recreational landings as part of the input. If if people are landing more bass, the model assumes that the stock must have been bigger because those bass had to come from somewhere. And so if we're actually landing fewer bass, that means the population is smaller. And so things will more or less scale. That the magnitude, the, the magnitude of the estimates will are actually too high. But the relationship between them is the same. So that in 2022, we landed about twice as many bass as we did in 2021, even if the absolute numbers for both years might be a little bit lower. So that 2022 spike is still a threat to the stock. Yeah. And the bottom, the bottom line is like, you know, there were, there, <laughs> there were some people that were like, when did they find out about this? That was, it was right before the, the striped bass emergency action meeting. And, and, and they didn't say it cause this is a conspiracy. And it's like, well, actually, it doesn't change anything, right? And there was some mea culpa, right? I mean, Noah at least came out and said, hey, look, we screwed up. I'm not defending this. It's a, that is a whole other podcast. But they did stand up and say, hey, we screwed up. Happens. Happens all the time. I remember that. Remember the Menhaden meeting in, like, 2014, and somebody forgot to carry the one? And they had to redo it all over again. I legitimately remember. I don't remember what meeting, but like there was an instance was with Menhaden where they forgot to carry the goddamn one. Okay. It happens. Um, so look, it doesn't mean that there's 30% more stripers to kill. It means that there's 30% less stripers out there. So like anyone, if anyone says that to you, especially if they're in, or you read it anywhere or hear it anywhere, if they are in some position of, you know, influence, that is a direct signal that they're an idiot, like a blithering idiot. And I hope they're listening to this because that's what I think about them. They're idiots because they make things worse for the people who are actually being honest, forthright, transparent, and trying to educate people and do like a good job of recovering striped bass. So, it's just we're we're off that topic. So Charlie, I guess one of my big concerns is the complexity of this document. You know, the it, it, the the draft document came out the other day, and you just look at it, and I mean, I know my reaction is different than most. I just put my head in my hands and I go, how 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 do I even if they cut a couple of things out, how do I translate this? How do I turn this into a two pager? to give people something to go on so A, they understand it, and B, they can comment on it. Yeah. It's not so bad in the coastal recreational fishery. There we have two choices. We're looking at the old 28 to 35 slot or the current emergency 28 to 31 slot and putting that in place. That's fairly simple. The Chesapeake Bay those options are very complicated. I'm not sure there's too many ways around them, and certainly it's better than what the original draft document was. 
because they they pared a lot out of it at the August meeting. The most complex section is probably the commercial section, because there you have options that may or may not interact with one another or may or may not supplant one another, where you may be option A or option B, not option A and option B. Or if you do have option A and B, the options change if they interact with other options. So that that's a problem. One of the big issues with um, one of the big issues with the commercial uh, the possibility of commercial reduction is they're looking at that um, through the lens of like what, what what would happen if we put a slot limit on commercials? What would happen for this? What would happen for that? And then that and then all of a sudden now because it's a hard poundage quota. Now you're looking at like, uh-oh, is this going to affect the population because we're catching more numbers of fish in some areas? And and it just, it becomes like just this quagmire. And there's one option on the commercials that's like a 14% and change reduction. And I got to tell you, the more that I read, the more attractive that's getting. We certainly haven't made our final decision on it, but, you know, it's just, you you get you get right down to it. And it's like, man, sometimes keeping it simple is better. Yeah. I mean, let's cut the commercial landings by 14.5%. If we cut the quota by 145 that's easy. It does leave more of the large fish vulnerable to commercial landings. But quite honestly, in a couple of years, we're not going to have that many large fish anyway. You know, the 2001 year class... They're 20 years old now. There's not many of those left. The 2003, again, they're exactly 20 years old. Not many of those left. And then we don't have another decent year class till 2011. So maybe we shouldn't be worrying so much about the few big fish that the commercial fisheries take and say, let's just cut the quota in poundage. Because in the not-too-distant future, big fish are all we're going to have. And at that point, we're going to be looking at real changes in the commercial fishery, I think, as well as real changes in a recreational fishery. Because if we can't get recruitment turned around, those big fish are the future of the stock, and they're going to be all we have. So, Charlie, let's let's talk about that for a second. You know, there was the um, – I actually pulled this up. Uh, I'm going to pull it up again here. And I, this, Charlie and I um, were talking about this the other day. Um, hold on one second, folks. Let's see here. If I go, yep, I'm actually getting there. So Charlie and I were talking about this the other day. Um, and he alerted me to this, uh, this section of, oh, a document that discussed um, the recruitment in stripers. Yeah, it was the report of the 2022 striped bass fishery that ASMFC developed for the August meeting. Yeah, I'm opening it right now, Charlie. I Unfortunately, I had to, uh, had to update my computer this morning. So I'm just reopening my last session right here. And here it is. So I'm going to read one paragraph and I'm not, I'm not trying to be doom and gloom here, folks, but, um, you know, it's, uh, it is what it is and you might as well know what's going on. So if you go to the, uh, 
Charlie, it was the status of the fishery in the ocean in the Chesapeake Bay. Uh, so page yeah, I, I actually have the paragraph here if you'd like me to read yeah, it for if you, you. If you want to read it, that would be great, and I can stop scrolling. Uh, it's a review of recruitment over the last three years in the major spawning areas. And it says, New York's Hudson, New York's Hudson River was above its trigger level, which is 11.70. And I should say the trigger level which indicates stock failure if you go, if it's below trigger for three years in a row, is the 25th percentile. So it's the worst quarter of striped bass recruitment. So it's a fairly low level to begin with. But was above its trigger level from 2020 to 2022, with values ranging from 15.80 to 35.39. New Jersey's Juvenile Abundance Index in the Delaware River was below its trigger level, 1.07, in 2021 and 2022 with values of 0.67 and 0.77, respectively. A 2020 Joint Abundance Index value for New Jersey is not available due to COVID-19 restrictions. So we may or may not have already hit the three below trigger values in New Jersey, but we don't know it because of 2020. Virginia's joint abund- juvenile abundance index was above its trigger level 8.22 in 2020 with a value of 13.89, but fell below the trigger level in 2021 and 2022 with values of 6.3 and 7.95, respectively. So there's no recruitment happening anywhere but the Hudson River right now. And there's two other areas that they don't count for purposes of the stock assessment and for evaluating recruitment and the management triggers, which is Maine and North Carolina's Roanoke Albemarle fish main recruitment was down as low as zero in the last couple of years. Well, um, not to, not, not to, not to stomp on everyone's hope and dreams about the Albemarle and Roanoke fish, but I just watched a 30 minute clip on that. Their most recent stock assessment. And there aren't any. Yeah, um, I, I non- was just sent that. I haven't, I haven't watched it yet, but I was just sent that. It's, it's terrifying. <laughs> And they had darn near perfect river conditions a couple of times. They had great conditions. It's not, there's no excuses. Something's going on. I have my theories, but we won't get, that's, it's, it's not, as you said, it's not part of the Atlantic coastal stock. It is the Roanoke Albemarle Sound stock. So this is not a discussion again for this podcast, but they're going to, that's, there's going to be a moratorium there and, what 2025 no doubt there are no more fish left there is no recruitment and they're actually in in 10 times worse shape than our stripers the bottom the bottom line is it looks like this fish is in trouble again as i say it, it's reminding me too much of what i saw you now 40 years ago well i think you know charlie this has this been a, a, a good update, you know, kind of like with the expectations. We've been super heavy redfish for a lot of different reasons. 
um we're dropping the hammer and and jumping back on strike fast before this meeting and really look no promises it's going to take everyone every single one of our strike fast advocates to go on to these virtual hearings to make their comments to do everything humanly possible um and i i gotta tell you i i hope it's enough uh hope springs eternal right like I do. It wouldn't be me if I didn't if I didn't hope it was enough. But for every person in Cape Cod and Connecticut and all the other areas who had a decent year this year, I New York. I know it's not funny. I I know did not have a good a great year. Okay, and, and I'm not. There were a lot of people that were chirping in the spring that it's the best they'd ever seen. I'd like to interview some of them today and ask them how the year was, because I know it wasn't good. When I leave my inlet and my neighbor, I can normally see, um, you know, I can normally see by, uh, if I'm, by the time I'm a half a mile out this time of year, I can see 10 schools of 12-inch stripers eating the, those little micro bay anchovies. They're everywhere. They got three or four little crummy turns on them, you know. Um, and and you just go right past them. You don't even want to mess with them. You know, just it's just stupid to to mess with those fish. So that's every time we go out. This year, all year, I've seen none. Not one. It's a little creepy. You know what I mean? It's starting to get like a little eerie. Um, so what unfortunately what I'm telling everyone is what we're experiencing here in the bay, y'all are on the bullet train to that. And no matter what we do, stuff's going to fall off a cliff in 2027. Just to give people an idea, it takes about seven years to grow a 28-inch fish. And right now, it looks like we're going to have four consecutive years of very few fish coming up. And at, yeah, five consecutive years of nothing much coming up. So we are going to have a bass drought at best. Yeah, and and I think the big thing, Charlie, to tell people is this is education to let y'all know the severity and how hard we need to fight to protect the ones that are out there right now because there's nothing coming down the pipe. Not for a while. So, um, listen... You know, Charlie, uh, Charlie writes this incredible blog. If y'all have never seen it, just Google one angler's voyage. Uh, it's definitely a different flavor than our blogs. Um, um, the, the, you know, just, just Char Charlie does an incredible job. Um, his audience is a little bit different than ours. Uh, and it's, it's a, the way he writes is a little bit higher level, but if you ever want to do a deep dive, I'm sure as soon as that meeting's over with, Charlie will be plunking away on his keyboard to give you his update. Uh, again, that's one angler's voyage. We will be on that call and we will be doing the same things. We thank you all for listening. If you have any questions, please send them into comments at saltwaterguidesassociation.org. And if we read them on the air, uh, you will win yourself a free pair of Costa Del Mar sunglasses because Costa is our awesome sponsor. Charlie, thank you, buddy.
Glad I appreciate to do it, it, Tony. All right, man. 